Ghostly Thistle presents The Antique Shop Episode 41 The Lives That Could Be Where to start? The least interesting first. It's my final semester of uni. In a few months I'll hopefully get to throw my certificate scroll up in the air with my pals, all dressed in our fancy robes and fancier clothes. It's the getting there that's the problem. Exams, more exams, a dissertation and a fuck-tonny coursework. If that wasn't bad enough, I've got everyone on my case about after. My pals are lining up jobs, further studying, readying themselves to become adults. What about me, they ask? What are my plans? I'm finding myself avoiding people so I can dodge that question. I didn't want to think about it. Let's move on to something more interesting and less panic-inducing. Reed's got himself a girlfriend. I think the latest one is a girlfriend. There have been a few, and I didn't mean to sound judgmental. It's just unusual that there's any at all. It's starting to feel like there's a new one every few weeks. Boyfriends, girlfriends, people without labels who last a few days. It's gotten so bad, Finn and I have a bet at how long each will last, and that's the ones we hear about. It's no like it's something to worry about. Which is why it's hard to pin down why I feel a bit uneasy about it. Speaking of Finn, it's been... I don't know what it's been. Some days he'll be fine, his usual cheeky, cheerful self. Other days he'll barely speak a word, especially to me, and moves around the shop like a ghost. Sometimes he won't even look me in the eye, let alone speak to me. If he does, he's civil and distant, a stranger I didn't know. It depends on the day, the time, where the moon is in its cycle, who knows. Sometimes it's a challenge going to the shop because you never know what version of Finn you're going to get. It's cruelly me to complain. I did that to him and he knows it. I trapped him in a place at times I'm happy to be free of. He has to look at the same walls, the same objects, the same faces a Norna and Kronos. He can never leave. It's hard to watch, to see. Did I do the right thing? And who did I do it for, me or him? Was I being selfish? Should I just have let him die? I'm too afraid to tell anyone about these doubts, these questions. 
So I'm telling you. Other questions involve Finn's death. How did he end up there in the first place? From what I've learned, why Verns are supposed to be difficult to kill, to overpower. He's lived for centuries, and yet one single person managed to corner him with a single knife and end life as he knew it. Finn's never brought up that day, but Reed and I are convinced he knew the man that attacked him. It's no like it really matters now. Finn can never leave the shop, and he can never die whilst inside its boundaries. That person, whoever they were, didn't get what they wanted. Finn's become more knowledgeable than even Reed on the objects in the shop. So much that he gets lost in them. Kronos believes it's intentional, a form of escape for his antique-lined prison. I'm starting to believe the wee shite has a point. For a few days, he'd been spending a lot of time in silence, lost in the aisles of the shop. It was during one of his darker periods, the times when he barely looks or speaks to me. I attempt to coax him out of it on occasion. It's a different silence. It's tense, awkward even, especially if it's just the two of us. Reed's barely in the shop these days, and Kronos comes and goes as he pleases. Feeling brave and having a slow day for customers, I went in search of him. Finding him in a corner of the shop, perched on top of an ancient-looking box, scratched and dented with wear and use, he was staring into a mirror. Finn was a bit vain about his looks. I gathered for the occasional ogling customer that it was no without reason, but he'd never been a narcissus about it, staring at his own reflection for hours on end. He could be staring at the mirror. It was pretty, set into a silver frame, a pattern engraved onto its edge. I approach cautiously, half hoping he'll notice me before I give him a fright. He does not, but the creaking floorboards beneath my feet give me away. He glances up briefly, as if expecting a customer. When he realises it's me, a shadow passes across his face and he turns back to the mirror. I hate when he looks at me like that. It makes my eyes sting and my conscience scream. I breathe out slowly, clench my fists as though the physical pain will mask the emotional. I try to keep my tone light and I ask him what the mirror is. There's space on the grand ancient chest, but I remain standing. Even I'm no stupid enough to think just by closing the physical distance, it'll fix the emotional one. Reluctantly, almost begrudgingly, Finn explains that whenever he looks into the mirror, he can see different times of his life as though he were living them again. But there's a difference. 
the things he's seeing have never really happened. Rather, they've only happened in his imagination. As reluctant as I was to be intruding on his space when he evidently didn't want me to, I wasn't sure what he meant. Did the mirror allow you to experience your wildest dreams? Did it make your innermost imaginings reflect back at you? Has there ever been a decision in your life? A point in time when you went right instead of left? When you went out instead of staying in? When you took the bus instead of a taxi? Do you ever wonder what would have happened if you'd made the other choice? Finn said it was like that. It took him back to moments in his life where he had other choices and showed him how his life would have played out if he'd gone down a different path, made a different choice. His words weighed heavily on me. I'd banished him to this, only having moments to relive and no living any new ones. I'd condemned him to infinite time to dwell on his life, his mistakes, and the mirror was making that job a lot easier. I didn't ask to see it, to take it away from him, even though a voice in my head said it'd be best to. I couldn't tell if Finn found comfort for the mirror, or it was a slow form of torture. Was he wondering what choices he could have made differently that would have avoided his death in that alleyway? Was he trying to find a single point where it had all gone wrong? I couldn't bring myself to say anything. I couldn't think of words that were sincere without being too serious. I was about to leave him to the mirror when he handed it to me, standing at my shoulder, curious to see the reflection. I looked in every direction apart from at my reflection. I didn't know how much control you had, but I knew what I'd see. Was that why he'd handed it to me? To check if I would have made a different decision in that alleyway? I wanted to hand it back, to refuse, knowing I wouldn't be able to bear what it showed me about that day. Finn either didn't notice or didn't care about my discomfort as he told me I needed to look directly into the mirror in order to see. I let my guard down. I let my eyes slip to the surface, to the reflection in my own face, crystal clear in a mirror that looked freshly polished. But that was all I did see. My ugly mug. Confusion started to draw my eyebrows together and I looked blankly at Finn, as though he'd know how to fix this mysterious object. As confused as I was, he took it from my hands and peered in. And right enough, there was a scene for at least a few centuries ago playing out in the reflection. A version of Finn I didn't know talking wee people that were probably long deed. He handed it back to me and we both stared intently at our reflections. But again, that's all there was to see. 
There was no image of me deciding which uni to go to, which flat to get, which parent to live with. Just two people who appeared close, but felt as far apart as we ever had. I was relieved, and when it was clear the image wouldn't change, I handed it back to Finn and shrugged. Maybe I was immune to its charms. He was happy to have it back, and sat back down on the ancient chest and continued his journey through his memories. Through the opportunities he missed. Through the lives that never were. Every time I came into the shop in the following days, he'd be in the same corner, in the same position, staring at the reflection. I suppose in a life as long as his, there were a lot of decisions that dictated how the rest of the time would go. I never went near him, or the mirror, thinking I'd had a lucky escape. I thought that was it. Kronos predicted Finn would get bored eventually and the mirror would disappear back into the nooks of the shop for where he'd plucked it. It was that same week I started to get strange emails and texts. It was funny at first, laughing at someone else's mistake. It'd be confirmations of orders to companies I had never heard of, for shoes, sports equipment, furniture. It never had my address on it, but it had my name and was sent to my email address. I'd show my flatmates, we all had a laugh, and then I'd delete them. I was in a queue at the bank a few days later. A stranger came up to me and started talking as though we were pals and had known each other for years. I tried to tell them I wasn't who they thought I was, but they assumed I was making a joke, telling me we'd gone to school together and that I'd been in their bridal party last year. Something similar happened in a clothes shop where the manager treated me like I was an employee. I sprinted out and vowed never to return. I began having dreams, no unusual in itself, but these were boring dreams. Ones where I'd be a barista, a lawyer, a lorry driver, an archivist. Nothing strange would happen. I'd go about a normal day. Nothing chasing me, no cursed objects, no creatures that looked like humans, no zombies. About a week after I'd spoken to Finn about the mirror, I was in a lecture taking notes. When I'd looked up at the board from my laptop, I found myself in an office. A spreadsheet that I hadn't created open on my laptop. Rows of numbers and equations and calculations I didn't even know how to do. I was surrounded by others doing the same, typing away, having quick conversations by an office printer, sneakily looking up cheap holidays whilst the manager's heed was turned the other way. I blinked away the mirage, assuming I was dreaming again, but nothing changed. I was the same, my chipped nail polish was still the same colour, but I was in smart clothes, office wear. Why was I here? Where was my lecture theatre and my laptop and my life? I shot up from my chair, 
only to be back in the lecture theatre with everyone staring at me. In the next few days, I experienced the same thing twice. Being in my own life one minute and then someone else's the next. By the third time, I marched straight to the shop, grabbed Finn and went to see the madam. As I was explaining the strange things that had been happening to me, Finn cast his eyes away, eventually admitting that similar things had been happening to him, but that he'd been transported to different points in his own life, rather than whatever had been happening to me. The madam, in her silent way, listened, and when we'd finished and the mirror was placed on the coffee table, she began to explain. Like we many items in the shop, the mirror had been created by someone who thought they'd made many mistakes in their life. What if they'd said something different? What if they'd chosen this or that or the other? They thought the misery of their current life would be explained by the decisions they'd made along the way. Where had it all gone wrong? The mirror had shown them had taken them down memory lane and given them the glimpse into how their life would be if they'd turned right instead of left, if they'd fought instead of ran, if they'd spoken out instead of staying quiet. The mirror had been doing the same thing ever since, showing people alternate fates. Finn had been transported to the decisions in his life that he thought should have been different eventually transporting him physically instead he just threw a small reflection. That left the sticky problem a what had been happening to me. I'd seen nothing in the mirror apart from my own reflection. That's because I had no alternate fate. No matter what I'd done, no matter what I'd chosen, I'd have always ended up at the shop. I didn't have alternative fates. Only one. The emails I'd been getting, the lives I'd been living through, they weren't alternate fates. They were alternative realities. The mirror was shifting me between worlds, as that was the only way to show me different versions of how my life could have been. An office worker, a barista, a furniture buyer, a holiday maker. There was a me in some other dimension, in some other world who could be those things. Madame Norna leaned over to the mirror and slid it into her hands, solemnly telling us that something so powerful couldn't be left in the shop. It'd have to go in a locked box in storage. Although I was a special case, there was no guarantee it wouldn't do the same to an unsuspecting customer. Any item with the power to merge worlds, send one being for one to another, was too unpredictable to let into general circulation. My relief was soon followed by guilt, as I saw Finn's face fall. That mirror had been his escape, his hobby, some kind of solace. 
and because of me, it had to get locked up. Maybe I shouldn't have said anything. Why does it seem recently that I'm cursed to take away his freedoms? That my selfishness is so out of control that it backs him into a cage a ma making? I'm glad that mirror didn't work the same way with me. I didn't want to know what decision I'd have made in that alleyway, given a second chance. In a few months, I'll hopefully get to... Oh, God. <clears throat> no, I won't get to do that. Oh, we're off to a good start. We're on this what, third sentence. Oh, God. Has there ever been a decision in your life? A point in time when you were right and... Sorry, fuck. When you were right instead of wrong. You know, those shit times. <laughs> I tried to tell them I wasn't who I thought... Sorry, I wasn't, I wasn't who I thought I was. Mmm. <laughs> no. That... Th- Thank you for listening to episode 41 of The Antique Shop. Episode 42 will be released in two weeks' time. Hello. It's been a while. It's been about four months. Although if you're coming to this podcast later, it'll be approximately 30 seconds. (laughs) But to me, in, in, in the real world, <laughs> real world as opposed to the one that you're listening in, <laughs> whatever world that is. Yes, but for me, it's been four months. And for people who are currently listening to this podcast, it's also been about four months, which I do apologise for, but I will, I will get to the apology in a minute. Ah, so first thing that I wanted to do was a few notes from this episode. I feel like there's very few episodes in the last maybe 20 where I've not had something to say at the end of it. (laughs) Which I don't know if that's a very good thing or not. Uh, Yes, here's a caveat. Or here, yeah, here's a caveat. A disclaimer. That's what the word is. A disclaimer. Nothing that I say for the next, what is promising to be approximately four minutes, (laughs) matters or is relevant to the story. So if you don't want to listen, I will see you next week. You're not going to miss anything important. Now on to the unimportant stuff, and I bet like 99% of you are still here. This episode was actually inspired by something that happened to me a few years ago. It'd be quite a few years ago now. Don't worry, there there is not a mirror out there that does show you your fate, um, or your alternate fates, or things like that. There's nothing like that. There's no torture device that does that, yet. Actually, it's called the internet. (laughs) It's called TikTok. (laughs) Sorry, I'm sorry I shouldn't make that joke. Yeah, actually there is something that does that does replay the worst moments in your life and the decisions in your life and it's called the internet. It's called social media. I oh, know, I'm so old, I'm bitching about social media. Yeah, something happened to me a few years ago that inspired this episode. So my personal email address is very similar to somebody else's. If If my email address is like, xy at gmail.com somebody else has an xy at gmail.co.uk so there's like literally a really really small difference between my email address and somebody else's and so sometimes over the last maybe like six years I'd say I've been getting emails meant for somebody else (laughs) 
so it is like order confirmations, uh, receipts, you know, just stuff like that. And then they have the same name as me. So whoever she is, presuming that she is a she, she bought a really nice new build house um, on the other side of the country than where I live. Um, so when I got this email um, asking me to confirm if I wanted to reserve this like lot or this, I don't really know what they refer to it as, but like, yeah, so in the U, I'm not sure if it's the same in the US, but in the UK, when a company or housing company buys uh, like a block of land to build new houses on, they'll like set out the lots and stuff and they'll start selling the lots to people as they're building the house or maybe I don't know if it's I don't know if it's before they build the house but it's definitely when they're building them and they'll have like a showroom that you go to that you see like a finished house and you get to choose which house you want blah 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 and then they obviously kind of give it to you I don't know if you choose the lot per se but you definitely choose the the house that you want and they'll have like blocks of houses I think so they'll have like two bedroom houses here three bedroom there and then like whatever else they're going to build there I think that's how it works. I've never bought a house, so I don't know, but I think that's how it works. So my namesake had obviously gone to these estate agents or whoever was building the house and had asked to reserve like a house. And she'd given them the email address and they'd emailed me. And obviously I was not in a position at the time, nor I am. Anyway, I was not in a position at the time to buy a house in this place I'd never been to before. So I had to email them back and explain that they'd, they'd got the wrong email address, which was very awkward. Because, like, yeah, it was just very awkward. Like, two different people from the same estate agents had emailed me about, like, about the house, but about two kind of different things. I think, I don't know if it was a lawyer or one of their legal team to sort out, like, money transfers. And then the other person, like, sent a brochure, like, a brochure of the house and the lot and where they were in this, like, new build estate. <laughs> it was very awkward. So I had to email both of them being like, yeah, by the way, you've got the wrong email address. <laughs> but it was, it was so, it was so funny. It was so strange. And I've never, ever told anybody about it because it was just so weird. It looked like a very nice house, though, when it was, it'll be completed by now because this was about four or five years ago. I might, I might even be three. I think, it, I don't know if it was when I was doing my PhD or not. So definitely within the last four years, I'd say. Very nice house. It looked like a very nice build. But yeah, something so stupid as somebody getting the wrong address and sending me something that was meant for somebody else is what inspired this entire story. Because it started me thinking, this person had the same name as me, but yet they were doing something so... Like they were living on the other side of the country. They were like buying a new build house which who the fuck can afford that these days? <laughs> I'm almost jealous of this person. <laughs> Evidently quite well off. I, I have an awful feeling that whenever I tell or when I kind of release the inspirations behind these stories, it always makes me seem really stupid. <laughs> or like, as in, I've, I've got like a really overactive imagination and that something so mundane inspires a story. Like the monster jars were the exact same. Literally, an empty jar of coffee on my mantelpiece is what inspired an entire offshoot of this podcast. So yeah, I <laughs> I have a very overactive imagination, but yeah, something as stupid as a wrong email address is what got me thinking, oh, what if there was something that you could use to see alternate versions of your life? Like what if you'd chosen something else and blah, 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 blah. So yes, there you go. There's the inspiration. A wrong, e <laughs> a misdirected email. <laughs> Next thing, so yeah, so personal updates. This is even even more not important. 
But just in case any of you were interested, I feel like I do owe you an explanation because I have been away longer than I said I would be. But I am back now, so don't worry. So first things first, I apologise for being, what, four months now, I think? By the time this episode comes out, I think it'll be about four and a half months, which is a longer than I thought. But I, I think kind of at the time that I said I was going to be like six to eight weeks, I was thinking in my head, I don't think I'm going to be that short a time. So firstly, I haven't moved anywhere. I, I know I said I was I was looking into it. I'm still where I have always been which is not, not anywhere that you know. But yeah, I'm still in the house that I've been in for the entirety of this podcast and for the entirety of the McElroy statements as well. It's not for lack of trying. Property in Scotland is proving to be expensive, which I kind of knew. Theoretically, I knew that property prices were more expensive, but I think I always just assumed that it was buying property that was more expensive, but no, it's renting property as well. So my moving plans have been put on hold for the time being. I'm still kind of thinking about it. I don't have to move back to Scotland. I wanted to move back, but it's proving to be a bit more financially difficult than I was anticipating. So I I will keep you updated, but for the time being, I am not going anywhere. <laughs> An update. So the reason I have been gone so long is because as soon as spring came everybody on this planet wanted to see me and I don't even know that many people (laughs) it was very strange so at least like twice a month the last few months I've been traveling halfway up or completely all the way up the country for work for family visits and stuff like that I, I live quite far away from all of my family I live even further away from my work at the minute so work wanted to see me so I had to go all the way up there um I hadn't seen my family since like Christmas so I had to go and see them so yes as I said like twice a month I've been traveling up the country just in time for the petrol prices to to skyrocket so yes thankfully my car is tiny and doesn't take a lot of petrol but never mind so that's the reason that it's taken me so long to get back and also I just didn't really have the inclination to write something always got in the way and I kind of let it get in the way as well But it was nice to have a few months off and so when I started writing again I felt much better about it. I think I took six weeks off, like completely six weeks without writing a thing and then I wrote this episode and then that's when things started getting busier and so I I literally just did not have the time to write even if I'd wanted to. Good, Good news for me, just thought I would share it. My graduation is next week and I'm really happy about it. I think that's about it. I am sorry that this has probably been about 10 minutes long. I promised four minutes, but here we are at 10. So I'm back. The podcast is back. And I'm really looking forward to the next nine episodes because I know what happens. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time.